0: I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance.
1: Making the band alums Danity Kane were poised to become one of the top girl groups of the odds, having scored two number one albums as well as two top ten lead singles under the management of P. Diddy and Bad Boy Records. But in 2008, the showstopper songstresses literally had to stop the show as interpersonal conflicts boiled over onto their MTV reality show, resulting in the confounding and unexpected split up of the group. Today we are lamenting what could have been with Danity Kane and getting sucked in by the song Sucka for Love.
0: I, I did not know that they had two not top like two number one um, albums or were they albums or singles yeah two number the, one bo- albums both right both of their
1: both of their albums debuted at number one on they have a Billboard the, uh, Billboard two hundred and then yeah the the first girl group or something to have two consecutive mm-hmm. albums debut at number one I had always thought that their most successful single was Damaged mm. I thought that was the one that everyone knew. But Showstop, uh, Showstopper was actually their huh. best performing single.
0: Because I think I only know Damaged, really. um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so.
1: I mean, I don't know how Showstopper did that well. It wasn't a great song. And, and I feel like people don't know that song. Mm. But it was number eight. Maybe it has, I feel like a lot of that stuff is seasonal, too, where depending on the time of year that stuff comes out, you can kind of game the system to know yeah. that, like, nothing else is coming out at the same time. So... By default, like your de- your your single debuting in a particular week will fare well.
0: Like it came out in January. Yeah. Who knows?
2: <laughs>
1: um, anyway, but anyway. also, I mean, they had a they had a they had a television show to help. That's true. Push, push this. But I mean, I don't remember that song being played on radio, and I feel like radio is a big deal.
0: I just anyway. knew it from you guys. Anyway. Good morning. Good, good morning. Um, I couldn't sleep last night, Jason. Is it because you're rapidly aging?
1: No, it's because I my blood was boiling. Uh-oh. Because I was up in the evening re-watching Making the Band Ooh. in preparation for this episode. I was re-watching Making the Band, and I knew in my head that I thought that what happened to Danity Kane was really fucked up and that P. Diddy was like kind of an asshole and a big baby Mm -hmm. for what he did but yeah like nothing prepared me for actually reliving it and going like oh yeah this is what happened and this man is like a mogul Mm -hmm. he's 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 a powerful powerful man and he is being a big irrational baby on national television and making these hugely consequential decisions purely off of like off-the-cuff emotional garbage
2: Mm.
0: how many seasons were there
1: of making the band in total or Uh, well
0: yeah oh because i guess there was the other group that came out of it too right yeah
1: so i mean um making the band originally aired on abc and that's where we got the group o-town from
0: oh with um the hawaiian dude He did
1: not stay on, though. I know. He quit. Like, he he was cast in the group and almost immediately was like, actually, this is not something I want to do.
0: I remember, yes, because he was the son of... So, like, in Hawaii growing up, there was, like, a weekly... It was, like, a local talent show, like a singing Mm -hmm. competition, and they would shoot it at the mall. And one of the hosts was this, like, handsome man... You know how, like, there's always, like, a <laughs> middle-aged man who's, like, been in stuff. And, like, as a kid, you don't know who they're from. But, like, he was he was very handsome. Okay. His son was I- Ikaika's dad. And so oh, when okay. when he... And I, I could be completely messing this up. But so there was also, like, this local paper. It's, like, the LA Weekly. But... um. It was like a Honolulu Weekly or some or mid mid midweek. Oh God, what was it called? I think it was called Midweek, and it would come out on Wednesdays, and everyone got it, and so you would. It came in your mailbox, and it had a profile because anytime someone, I'm sure as you remember, like from American Idol or anything like that, anytime someone from Hawaii does anything on the national stage, like all of Hawaii like bands together, and that's like their person. So mm-hmm. he got that feature, and I remember because I think it was in high school. Like O-Town and being like, ooh, you know, ooh, this is gonna, you know, I don't know. Hot. And then they didn't, what was it, Liquid Dreams or whatever the stupid song was?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it, it was funny because in the end, Ikaika left. He decided not to even start with the group. And then they almost immediately they almost immediately replaced him with someone that I don't think was even in the competition. Mm. Which was seemed, seemed like a, a weird call. Um. Ikaika Kahuano.
0: Yeah. Oh, because his dad was Kimo Kahuano. <laughs> oh. Noted, noted Hawaiian personality. Yes. Noted Hawaiian okay. personality
1: so making the band series one which produced o-town that was on abc after series one they moved the show over to mtv and p diddy took over as like the driving force behind it the executive producer or whatnot right mm-hmm. and series two of making the band i believe had two seasons and that yielded the rap super group da band it had like a female vocalist there was a female rapper named babs I wanna say there was a male rapper named Ness. I didn't research any of this in advance of this, so this is all off the top of my head. They cover it for two, they cover them for two seasons. One is the casting process of making the band. The second season was actually developing the band's first album, and they had moderate success. At the end of it, Diddy just lacks faith in them, doesn't think that they have the work ethic or the talent. He ends up disbanding the band after the that second season of the show, when the show essentially gets when the series two essentially gets canceled, he disbands the band. Mm He opts to keep two of them on Bad Boy Records, Babs and Ness, but then we never hear from them ever again. And it becomes a pattern with Diddy. And I think that this is something that I want to explore as it pertains to Danity Kane or indeed anyone who has ever been with Bad Boy Records. Because last week we we talked about Janelle Monáe last week. Mm -hmm. And looking at it, Janelle Monet is like the exception to the rule.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I didn't th- I didn't think about it in terms of that. And, I, you know, I was talking to Adam, you know, in, as we were preparing for this episode, just like based on your com, like what you've talked to me about, Danny Kane and the other the other artists that came out of making the band. What a difference It was for him as a mogul, for P Diddy as a mogul, to be like, "I want to sign you and give you exposure," and then kind of just walk away to a large extent, like because like he wasn't a major figure in a lot of her career in the in the same way, like making the day to day decisions. Oh, for Janelle Monet, for Janelle Monet, yeah, yes, yes, as he was with everyone else. And you're like, I mean, I I'm glad, thankfully, but also just like, why? Like it's like like to your point about capricious sort of decision making it seems it's kind of striking honestly
1: and i think that that's something that you start to witness when you're watching the making the band series with p diddy in it is at least for the purposes of the show he appears to have his hand in everything mm-hmm. and he has an opinion on everything and he thinks everything sucks and he thinks everything is wrong and he wants everything to change and he thinks that you suck and you suck and you're terrible and you're not working hard enough and yeah, to go back to Janelle Monae, like I realized like Janelle Monae actually has one of the longest standing relationships with Bad Boy Records, I think in part because it seems like Diddy actually has a complete hands-off relationship with her. Yeah. She yeah. could be, for all we know, bankrolling the entire <laughs> yeah. the entire operation well, there because... It's,
0: it's, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well,
1: because I was going to say that like, by and large, people that get signed to Bad Boy Records are hyped up when they're signed and you often never hear from them again. Mm. So for example, in making the band three, which gives us Danity Kane, ultimately mm. almost the entire time, they're promoting these tracks by a young woman named Sherry Dennis. Okay. So they're doing all these choreo- they're doing all these choreography tests for the contestants. They're doing uh, vocal recording tests for the, t- uh, for the contestants and a lot of it is songs by a woman named sherry dennis mm-hmm. and she's kind of hyped up in the series as like oh up and coming bad boys record star sherry dennis sherry dennis here's her song i love you here's her song ooh la la you know like and this is in i want to say this is like 2005 2006 we don't hear boo from sherry dennis until t- 2008 huh her her album finally gets released in 2008 almost all the songs that were featured on Making the Band are gone, except for I Love You. And it just seemed like one of those weird, bad timing, wasted opportunities. Why did you spend so much time hyping her when you signed her and then
0: then didn't end up
1: releasing anything? Yeah. Didn't end up releasing anything until 2008, and it was only a digital release in 2008.
0: It's so weird that you say that because it's like, you know, talking about Janelle Monae and Bad Boy. I couldn't find anything about where they officially split. But at at some point, she's partnering with L. A. Reed and Epic. I and think Bad Boys with Epic now is that what it? Because that's where her label comes from. So they Wonderland. partnered Wonderland, and well, it was it it was actually Wonderland was her two partners, and then she joined, and it became the three of them. But they have their own label, and and that deal. Was brokered with like L.A. Reid, so so I don't know to what extent they still because yeah it's like who's with Bad Boy anymore like what what, you don't hear about them so I and she never talks about him like she talked about him at the very beginning but I think other than that like you don't hear anything so yeah yeah, I I don't don't even know if
1: they're still affiliated but I think Mm -hmm. that Bad Boy because Bad Boy was originally with Warner Brothers and then after the after the Danity Kane era. There was a brief period where Bad Boy was with Interscope. And then I think that Bad Boy moved over to Epic, which would put Bad Boy under L.A. Reid, basically. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if um, Janelle Monae is still technically affiliated with Bad Boy. Do you Or remember? if like it's somehow structurally still under Bad Boy or Bad Boy is somehow compensated for mm. the relationship. I don't know. Um, but yeah she definitely never talks about it
0: do you remember when Diddy I don't know if it was his 40th birthday seeing as how your birthday is coming up um, when he like it made the news because he chartered like two 747s and flew his friends to Africa I remember like Naomi Campbell was on it and I'm i like I wonder if Danity Kane was invited <laughs> if they were on in the back of the plane probably not <laughs> I just remember being like what there's a lot of people
1: <laughs> um okay wait but so <laughs> so to go back to your original question we get out of making the band series two and then we go into making the band series three and this is where danity kane is formed okay um making the band series three had three seasons covering danity kane oh two seasons just of casting one season leading up to the release of their first album. After the seri- after that series ended, they moved into making the band 4, which gave us Day 26 and Donnie Clang. If you remember them, you don't. No, no one does. No, no. no one does. But as part of making the band 4, Danity Kane was actually kept on the cast. So that while Diddy was casting this new boy band, you were also following the progress of Danity Kane. And they were all kind of like living together in a in a single house like a tiktok house kind of i mean it was be- it was almost like a um they almost turned it into like a real world type of situation mm. and that's where it gets kind of mixed up because a lot of it becomes A lot of it becomes less about the music, less about the process of putting together a musical act and putting together an album or a tour or any of that. And it becomes a lot more about the interpersonal relationships between the members of Danity Kane or the members of Danity Kane and Day 26 or whatever. You know, it, it becomes more about the relationships than the music, which in retrospect, I think is great for television, but bad for a music career. If you have any aspirations for a singing career a serious singing career maybe maybe skip the
0: tv show maybe skip it
1: maybe or, you know maybe there's some that you can do i don't know it's hard to say it's, it's hard it's, to say what the benefit it, is it's
0: almost certainly almost certainly like don't win the competition <laughs> right because like i mean you look at american idol i think it more often than not like the winners don't do anything it's like people yeah. who've done things maybe got to the top Three, top six, something like that. I mean, there there are a few exceptions: Kelly Clarkson, yeah. Carrie Underwood, obviously. But it's almost like the shortcut doesn't work. Jason's
1: giving me the slice across the neck hand gesture, <laughs> meaning wrap it up, stop talking,
0: shut your clam hole, pie hole, clam Pi- hole, pie, pie hole. <laughs> what is a clam hole? <laughs> oh my god you just reminded me like maybe a clam hole is you know how clams swim i find that terrifying <laughs> we'll post a video this week to our website of a clam swimming
2: they're awful it's scary
1: anyway uh, we have a website
0: um jason's supposed to mention it oh yeah 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 we we definitely have a website <laughs> it's flopredeemer.com um you can find all of the things that we talk about uh, on flopredeemer.com. You can also please email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com. Give us your suggestions. Give us your feedback. Um, tell us who you'd like to to see redeemed. Um, and we will do that. So, or we'll take it under advisement, I guess I should say. Yeah, um, no guarantees. Sorry. No guarantees. I, and some some of these flops, guys, I mean, they're just flops. And, yeah. and we just have to live with it. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Barry will talk about Sucker for Love.
1: are back it's 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 time to be back it's a good time to be back because today we're talking about the song sucker for love from danity kane it's um this song was never a single Hmm. i'm immediately going off script i I sent you a script you did i'm looking at it
0: i'm like oh this is not uh part of it it was
1: it's down there it's like a fourth paragraph This song was never a single... Because I feel like one of the things that we're always trying to do is say that like, oh, this was a failed single or this didn't chart because of this. This was never released as a single. However, Danity Kane was on the television series Making the Band 3. And in the development process for this album, which actually aired on Making the Band 4 season 2. Okay. Yes. Danity Kane was heavily featured in the process of recording this album, in the process of touring and promoting this album. And so as a result, anyone who watched the show was getting exposure to almost all of the tracks on this album. And this is one of the songs that they featured pretty heavily, I feel like. Hmm. There was a whole like love interest subplot between Don from Danity Kane and Q from Day 26. And um, this song featured heavily in that intrigue. So, um, not a single. But a song that you would have heard that should have, that in your opinion, should have... It should have been heard more. And honestly, I think that had the album been given more legs, if P. Diddy had not kneecapped this release... (laughs) <laughs> to extend my leg metaphor. <laughs> I'm imagining
0: P. Diddy just like shoving this album off a bridge with like encased in concrete. <laughs>
1: no, he jumped out from behind the boards like Jeff galuli on uh, Nancy Kerrigan and just kneecapped it. Kneecapped it. And then this album, this band was never heard from again. Not true, but for all intents and purposes, never heard from again. But I feel like this album that this song came from, Welcome to the Dollhouse, Danity Kane's second album... I feel like it had true potential to, like, lift this group out of reality competition television obscurity into a mainstream global girl group success story. And Diddy ruined it. So "Sucker for Love is what I'm going to call a sultry, soothing synth-pop dance anthem. And it's created in celebration of individuals who harbor an overwhelming compulsion to make physical contact with other individuals. So... (laughs) (laughs) So... Okay. So if you're so addicted, horny. yes. Well, yeah, yeah, basically. But if you're addicted, as the song says, if you're addicted to kissing and hugging, touching and rubbing, then you're a sucker for love.
0: <laughs> oh, is that what it, i I'm like listening to all of these pieces, and I, I didn't put it together that that is the message.
1: Yeah, it's such a great, layered, like ethereal, soothing yet like up tempo, dancey song that you completely miss what they're saying. And you you completely miss the fact that these lyrics are kind of
0: garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a sucker for love, so what can I yeah, say? Yeah, it,
2: it,
1: it takes a particular energy to really sell this lyric. And I feel like the sultry, breathy vocals that Danity Kane gives, especially like vocalists like Aubrey O'Day, like Don Richard, it helps to sell this. Okay, And I think the quality of the production really helps it. What To me, what makes it magic is it has this mix of an up-tempo four on the floor, so very much a dance song. But it also has this weird ethereal kind of pulsation to it that's much more soothing than I would normally associate with a dance track at the time. Because just for context, this track is... I think it's track number six on the album. So it's kind of squarely in the middle of the album mm-hmm. and what precedes it like the, the lead single damaged actually pre- is, is earlier on in the album. And there's a few other tracks on this album that were produced by danger and danger is the producer that was behind like Britney Spears blackout album. And so his stuff is definitely more on the hard hitting electro pop side of things. You think of like the percussive elements of Gimme More or Piece of Me, like all those kind of grating sounds that are sometimes present in synth pop. Like that's where this album mm, starts like out. grinding. Exactly. It's kind of grating on the nerves, you know, but also kind of fun. It's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a fine balance. But that's where this album, Welcome to the Dollhouse, starts out. And then I think when it hits "Sucker for Love, "Sucker for Love is kind of the palate cleanser because it keeps you solidly in this dance anthem electro synth pop realm but it it distinctly softens it up a lot and so that when you careen into the second half of the album that's where you're getting some of their more r and b tinged songs that's where you're getting their ballads that's where you're getting the um the slow romantic songs and so I feel like this song kind of balances out those two ends of the album really nicely and overall I think is actually like the best sounding song for them
2: mm.
1: oh I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> like there's something about this song. When I listen to this song and tell me if you're feeling this at all. I'm not someone that's into ASMR or anything like that. <laughs> but when I when I listen to this song There's something about the pulsation in the synthesizer track to it. It feels like it's coming in and out really rapidly, like a It makes me feel like the air is being sucked out of my skull and then immediately like blown back into it. It's a little bit dizzying in like a really trippy and kind of like nice way.
0: So this is like ASMR for you. I, I, it's, I,
1: it's, yeah. it's what I imagine the ASMR experience to be, even though I know that this is not an ASMR experience, but it is something funny audibly that's going on, especially when I wear headphones and listen to this mm. song, that it feels like whatever's happening with that pulsation. And if we were, if we were musicologists or if we were audio engineers, maybe we could identify what this was, but I'm, I'm only... not, and I can't, so I yep. won't, but it, it definitely
2: has,
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, uh, you can't see what I'm doing right now if you're listening. to You're this, doing I'm the doing... flames, the side of your face. Yes, I'm flame and flames Kahn. on the side of my face, Madeline Conning myself because mm-hmm. that's what this song gives me, and I think that that really reinforces the message.
0: I... <laughs> the oxygen is is getting sucked out of my skull. Yeah, and then blown straight because you're in. addicted to love. Um, yes, I, I don't know if I got ASMR when I heard this song. I immediately went to check Brandy. Brandy's discography and to find out the timeline. This album or this song in particular sounds a lot like stuff on Brandy's 211 album. It's got sort of like the the production is very similar. The, The sort of very syncopated, very fast, almost spoken sung verses, and then sort of an ethereal, sort of floating uh what do you call it? the chorus mm-hmm. um lots of looped and overlaid vocals i was surprised to find out because i was like oh maybe they're around the same time no 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 this danny this Gange, is like
1: human era
0: yeah which and so then i was like okay well let me check human doesn't sound like anything on human so it, it not at least not that i could find there was maybe one song but it does
1: have elements that you would typically think Brandy would do this yeah,
0: song. Yeah. Cuz it does have
1: it does have the breathiness, the sultriness, the electro undertones.
0: And then like the way the lines they don't let each other finish. That mm-hmm. that's something that Brandy does. Like she cuts in the next line before she's done with the previous. So yeah. it's, you know, there's there's a lot of that similar production but which actually
1: if you think about it makes much more sense for a group since it's actually a, a bunch of different people singing yeah. that are overlapping rather than one person overlapping with themselves
0: yeah. which 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 I just I just find interesting because this album came out in 2008 the album the brandy album that I think this this sounds the most like or that it would feel comfortable on is 211 which comes out 3 years later
1: it's interesting that you said that because now that you said that I do I do think of a lot of this suck off for love song being sonically very close to something Brandy should have been yeah. doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um Brandy wasn't doing it, Danny Kane was doing it. Well, it was like, um, well,
0: Human, I think what what's interesting is Aphrodisiac sort of started that, which is 2005. Mm-hmm. Human comes out in 2008 around the same t- or same year as Welcome to the Dollhouse. She's not doing that. And then she goes back to it in 2011-2012 with the album 211. And so it's interesting that when Danity Kane kind of goes into it, like Brandy had like vacated that space.
1: Danity Kane had an interesting conundrum of being a five-piece girl group with no lead singer. There was no, there was no Beyonce in the group. There is no Beyonce in the group. There's maybe four Beyonces and one Michelle.
0: I think I mentioned this. I don't. I mean, I know their names, like the the mm-hmm. members. I I could not tell you who's singing what part. I do not know. Okay, let me break it
1: down for you. Okay. I'll break it down for you now. So the five members of Danity Kane, the five original members of Danity Kane, always and forever Danity Kane, is Don Richard, Andrea Fimbres, Aubrey O'Day, Shannon Bex, and D. Woods, Juanita Woodette. Funny, D. Woods throughout the entire series was called Juanita. Like her given name is Juanita, her stage name is D Woods, but um, being a savvy businesswoman, she did not want to sign over the rights to her hard-earned stage name to Bad Boy Entertainment until she was guaranteed a spot in the band. So literally, like she's revealed, she's revealed as one of the winners, Juanita, and then immediately next episode, she's her name is just changed to D Woods, like no explanation. <laughs> and it was uh, I, I, I always like to think about the fact that it's Juanita with a W. It's like it's like oh. pure
0: magic, oh. pure magic. Because I saw I saw her name, I saw her name, and I truly I didn't I didn't know how to pronounce. If that makes sense, Juanita. like because yeah, I'm like oh okay, Juanita D Woods Widget, magic, magic. She
1: is magic. Okay, um, if I'm gonna characterize their voices, Andrea is by far, I think, the strongest vocalist in Danny Duquesne. She has this lovely, full quality to her voice. It's a little bit sultry, very expressive. She has these interesting vocal tics that she adds to all of her vocal lines. Mm-hmm. She takes on a lot of the lead vocals for a lot of their songs. Because I think that in making the band, like a lot of times they were trying to identify who would take which parts. And oftentimes the members of the group would be like, well, Andrea is doing the best of this of this piece. So a lot of the times the first vocal you hear is Andrea. Aubrey O'Day kind of has some of the similar qualities to Andrea. Her voice is a little more raspy. She adds a lot more... Um, Sultriness and sexiness to her vo- voice or her vocal performance is a little bit more like exaggerated. I think that Andrea is much more focused on like the riffs and the runs and just being vocally pretty precise. On um, Aubrey, on the other hand, is much more focused on just kind of that vocal growl, you know. Okay. Um, but their two voices blend really well together. Don Don Richard, who you know, her voice is very similar. I think, to Aubrey's, but deeper.
2: Mm.
1: And this is something that they did to Dawn. They kind of did Dawn dirty in 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 uh, making the band because they would often show them in the studio and then they would be like showing Dawn struggling in the recording booth, but it's because her voice, her vocal range was lower than everyone else's. So it's like, why is she even tasked with singing some of these parts if you know it's out of her vocal range? Yeah. But she definitely has like... A lower huskiness to her voice. Shannon Bex, who I don't know if I don't know where this nickname came from, but I I recall her being called beige. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because she is she is like the definition of like a filler queen.
2: <laughs>
1: she's pretty, she's blonde, she's a very good dancer, she's a very good singer, but she's not distinctive in anything, really. Like you see her in the whole competition and it's just like, oh, she's one of the best dancers. She's one of the best singers, but never is she the most distinctive dancer or the most distinctive singer. She's just there. She's, she's really great. She's a really great team player. She always seems to get along with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But her voice, it just kind of blends. Like you very rarely hear her in the mix. I don't think if if you do, she's purely like in the background vocal. And then you have D woods who, has like the most how do i put this her voice is like the most creamy you know when you have someone with like a creamy voice yeah i guess it's almost like a nasal but it's more it's somewhere between your nose and your throat i don't know like sierra <laughs> sierra has kind of a creamy voice
0: ah hmm.
1: to me it's hers is the voice that does not blend at
0: all but it has with anyone it, in the it group. cuts but it has a purpose in a group right because you need sometimes you need to like If you hear the way that her voice is deployed in
1: some of these songs, I would say that her vocals are misplaced in a lot of Danity Mm. Kane songs. It's, it's strange because they essentially, they created this group that I think had a good range from top to bottom, that if they had the right harmonies and everything crafted for them, they could have had like a great vocal range filled out from top to bottom. Um, but it often just felt like they were kind of trying to just interchangeably cover for each other. Mm which I don't think was the right move because all their voices were so different. Mm. Especially but, yeah. when you go from like D woods to Dawn. Dawn they have- has this deep Husky voice. D woods has this very high pitched kind of nasally voice. So getting them together in a group was one thing. And then trying to figure out like how they all fit in together in the sense that they don't have a lead vocalist. There is no Beyonce here. Kind of a intricate mystery. It's kind of an intricate mystery that I feel like was solved in "Sucker for Love. I feel like of all their songs, it's the least distracting to hear them switching off back and forth between each yeah. other. Whereas if you listen to the song, hold me down from their first album, their first self-titled album, mm-hmm. that song just chaotically switches back and forth between all of them. And their own, like a lot of them are singing very similar melodic parts. Okay. And it highlights how different their voices are. Like their voices aren't layered in, in any way. So you're hearing them each kind of one by one sing and you're like, Oh, they're all so different.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I can hear it.
1: It's it's very strange, and it's something that they and it's and I think it was a conundrum that was created by assembling this particular group of girls together.
0: It sounds like a J Lo song, "Hold Me Down." Yeah, like there's that that when you talk about the nasally, the pinched sort of vocal, like where it's always sounding like it's kind of straining, mm-hmm. like you know that's where they're supposed to be, but like it, that's what I associate with J Lo. Like I, I always think that like she's singing too high for her voice, even though that's where her voice is. It's just the quality yeah. of it. You well, know? part of it, yeah, the
1: part of it, the part, the part of a voice that's like in her nostril. Yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. up there.
0: Yeah, let's get loud.
1: I don't know how. to, I don't know where to interject this. But did you know Brian Michael Cox went to high school with Beyonce? No. Brian Michael Cox was a senior in high school. Beyonce was a freshman. Brian Michael Cox was dabbling in music production. He actually produced a lot of Destiny's Child's original demos while they were still in high school. It was at least in part because of the encouragement of Matthew Knowles that Brian Michael Cox decides to pursue a career in the music industry like full time once he finishes college. Mm hmm. And he becomes a frequent collaborator with Jermaine Dupri. So to go into like the bona fides of Sucka for Love, Brian Michael Cox, you know him um, as a frequent collaborator with Jermaine Dupri. Mm -hmm. He did Usher's Burn and Confessions Part Two. He did You Got It Bad. Um, With Mariah Carey and Jermaine Dupri, he did Shake It Off, Don't Forget About Us, um, Oh Santa, which we just talked about with. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande. He did Mary J. Blige's Be Without You. Grammy winning. Grammy winning. I mean, those were all in collaboration with Jermaine Dupri. So um, I feel like a lot of those songs.
0: He did Still by Tamiya. I love that song. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Worked with Tamia. Like, a lot of these songs, like, you find out, like, oh, they're all interrelated, you know, pretty closely. Um, The one song credit that I, the, the one song credit that I found that he did without Jermaine Dupri that I knew Mm -hmm. that I thought was still a big song was Nivea. Don't mess with my man. Oh, I love that song.
0: Um, I, you know, what's funny is it doesn't look like he's done anything for Beyonce since.
1: Um, I think he did. He had like a co-writing or a co-production credit on destiny fulfilled. And I think Uh. that might've been it for him. The clutch again, we know from, uh, Carrie Hilson, the, I was thinking about this era of Danity Kane, this era in music around 2008. Another song that the Clutch did—I um, think the Clutch did it with Danger, though. It was the song "Like a Boy" with Sierra. Oh, and that was from Sierra's album *The Evolution*. It was one of Sierra's like last hit albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song to me has like a close relationship with what I think Danity Kane was trying to do here. Um, the Clutch also did uh, Radar for Britney Spears. They did The Way I Are with Timbaland. Um, they also had various production credits with the Pussycat Dolls for the album Doll Domination. None of the singles. But that was all happening right around this time of 2008 when Dan and Decane is moving into the studio, going into their second album, trying to figure out like, okay, what do we do next? What, How do we keep this train moving?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was me trying to talk about the song. Did I talk about the song?
0: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, Okay. I I actually like this song. I I mean actually in the sense that like <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about Danity Kane really. Yeah. Right. And, for a band
1: that has taken up no zero percent of your brain for the past twelve years.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, this song is good. And it's funny because you you mentioned it being sort of a bridge into you know sort of the back half of the album. I I I agree with you. I think I tend to like more of the back half of this album. I particularly like the next track, Secret <laughs> the, the it's like Interlude. A, yeah, it's an interlude. <laughs> I was like cuz you know a lot of times I I'll, I'll I'll put these songs on that when we're doing research, I'll put these songs on like um while I'm working or something. And so if something is sort of seamless, like if an album is seamless and it sort of flows I I I really enjoy that because I, it kind of washes over me while I'm while I'm working, and I thought again to make some of the points that you were making about um, "Sucker for Love." I I feel like this is a good deployment of their voices. Like the arrangements are good. Um, I didn't think you'd like it because it is more of a. It's not really a ballad. I mean, I guess it is an interlude, but it's it's very dreamy. It's ethereal. Um, it's not something that I would have associated with them, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I just didn't think they had it in them to like to blend in this way. And I do like some of the albums as you get further down. So, uh, yeah, I I think this was a good surprise for me.
1: Yeah. I I think that overall, this album had such good bones to it. I think it was really well thought out. I think that that was actually something that was like highlighted in the season of making the band that covered this period in their career together Mm. was how much they cared about how good this album was going to be and how much they cared about what this album was going to sound like, what it was going to do, who it was going to
0: be for and how much they fought for that. Yeah. I I think I didn't realize that that was part of their story, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Because for all intents and purposes, it's easy to really think of people that come through the reality television um, conveyor belt to be puppets.
0: Or just to be obsessed with sort of this idea that like this will be a launchpad to fame and not mm-hmm. necessarily caring so much about the artistry.
1: Oh, and I think that the, I think that that plays a part in in what happens with Danity Kane too. Oh. It's interesting that you talk about that.
2: Let's get into um, it.
1: So yeah, so fully I think that this song is redeemed. Fully I think that you should listen to the song. But let's talk a little bit about the group Danity Kane. So like I said, Danity Kane was formed in making the band three which aired on MTV, um, I think between 2005 and 2009. This was the second series that was um, run by P. Diddy and kind of managed by Bad Boy Records. So Diddy had previously worked on making the band 2 to form Da Band. So this is kind of his second foray into it. The first time he was working on creating a rap super group. So the second time around for him, he was looking for like the next big um, girl pop group. Huh. He had previously struck out with the group Dream that had produced the uh, I think it was a number two single. He loves he loves you not. He loves oh. me not. He loves you not.
0: Oh, I remember that song.
1: Such a good song. He loves you not, and they had a follow up single that was This Is Me. Great song. That song was on every mix CD that I made in two thousand two. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, Diddy shit the bed with Dream, and they kind of um, disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, like he he had these acts that could like release top ten singles, mm-hmm. multiple top ten singles, and they would just disappear off the face of the earth. It's sad. So off of that stellar track record, Diddy gets this deal to do making the band, and he decides to put together the biggest girl group of all time international worldwide and what i what i kind of like about the making the band three series and making the band with diddy in general is that i feel like reality television they want to set up a feeling of something real but also something that's very structured right so most Mm -hmm. reality programs it's like they have an end goal that they just need to meet yeah how how they get there is inconsequential but they need to get there you need to have an America's Next Top Model. You need to have an American Idol. You, you need to choose a winner. Mm-hmm. Diddy subverts this whole structure by, at the end of season one, deciding no one was good enough and getting rid of everyone except for three girls from making the band, <laughs> making the band three se- season one. He gets mm-hmm. he gets rid of everyone except for three. He gets rid of, um, or he, rather, he decides to keep Andrea, mm-hmm. Aubrey, and one other girl named Malika. And he's basically like, you three are not the band, You're not guaranteed to make the band. You're basically just still in the running. I don't see enough talent anywhere to make a band. We're just going to keep going. (laughs) So the selection process moves into season two and they cast a whole new group of girls. And kind of in true early aughts reality television programming tradition, it's like the Stanford prison experiment of reality television. (laughs) Like I talked the other week about the search for the next doll, that reality competition series where they were searching for a new pussycat doll., yeah, yeah, yeah. and how in the very first episode, like Norovirus like just ravages the cast and mm-hmm. everyone's throwing up and shitting their pants and they have to hook them up to IVs and wrap them in blankets, and they're still forced to go on and unperform on stage. It was like the epidemic of reality, uh, like abusive reality television of the era. Yeah. You know, America's next top model, making them walk around on runways where they could get knocked off the stage by a big pendulum or, uh, breaking their ankles on some crazy, like, uh, crazy, crazy high heel shoes. Yeah.
0: Making the band was no different. Yeah. I think that was why I didn't really watch a lot. I mean, I I don't, I guess that's, that's maybe a mischaracterization because I, I, we did watch America's next top model and things, but there was something, about that era where it was like, it just felt like a lot of it was cruel or just totally cruel. Like I didn't, did I did ever... like it. I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like no. watching any of
1: it. I think that the entertainment industry or TV producers, they just think that like the process of actually watching someone construct an album, record an album, plan a tour. They probably just think that that's too boring. There's no story. There's no arc. They need to add all these other elements just to make it palatable to a TV watching audience. But I'm like, I want that show. Yeah. I want that show that takes these people seriously, shows them working hard at choreography, shows them struggling with choreography, shows them struggling in the recording booth, but not to the extent that I feel like they're being demeaned for no reason.
0: Yeah. For, for TV. Yeah.
1: This show really went there. So Diddy is involved. You have Laurieann Gibson as kind of like, Diddy's right-hand man, right-hand woman. Um, She's his choreographer. Lorianne Gibson also would later become Lady Gaga's creative director, but would have, you know, kind of a a falling out with Lady Gaga as well. But um, the trials and tribulations that they put these girls through, I remember there was one episode of Making the Band where I think it was because Diddy had just run the New York Half Marathon or the New York Marathon.
2: Mm.
1: He decided Mm. that the girls needed to run seven miles around Central Park and at the very end of it, go into the studio and do their dance routine for him. Anyone who has ever trained to run like a 10 K like it takes time. It -hmm. takes time to get up to that point where you feel comfortable running seven miles. Yeah. (laughs) So to just wake up one morning, have a producer tell you like, okay, put on your running shoes. Like you're going to central park and then they get you out there and like, okay, now run seven miles at the end of this, we're going right into the studio and you have to do your whole dance routine. And it has to be perfect otherwise diddy's going to read you for, read you for filth and he does mm-hmm. it's that mythology of like destiny's child running on the treadmill while singing
2: mm-hmm.
1: like that kind of boot camp mentality
2: mm-hmm.
1: that i think creates these challenges that are totally unrealistic the other thing about making the band is that they spend a lot of time really really trying to tear the girls down I think it's part of their strategy of like, I think that there's that old adage of like, tear you down so we can build you back up, Mm -hmm. which I also think is kind of bullshit. Uh Like, why do you ever need to tear someone down? Maybe maybe in a rare exception where someone's a complete garbage person, they need to be torn down a little bit. Yeah. But the lengths that they go to to just tell these girls how much they suck. They're too fat. Your singing sucks. Your dancing sucks. You're not sexy. You know, the lengths that they go to to tear these girls down. It's just kind of disturbing to look back on. And then what was also kind of disturbing is that these women, these young women are then congratulated for succumbing to that abuse. Like you're being told you're too fat. You go home for three months and then you come back and you've lost 20 pounds. Oh my God, you listened. You're, you're amazing. You did the right thing. You know, it it just looking back on it. I'm like so much of this was just so problematic. I think at the time it even then it gave me the icks mm-hmm. but to watch it back now it was it was really something that like I thought about it all night I was like what a fucking asshole
0: <laughs> Yeah 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 I mean especially because like we have the I mean those conversations are you know are are our you know sort of as a society and maybe that's maybe that's being too generous but I feel like that abuse as a means, like you're saying, of, of of like be of, of building some tearing someone down to build them back up, that's no longer acceptable. We see it, you know, in holding sort of like a lot of like executives and just different yeah. people moguls to this standard where it's like, no, you're just being abusive, and it's, it's yeah, you know,
1: it's an excuse. I yeah. think yeah, even if, even if that even if that is their intention, it's like it's very I think it's very lazy to think that that's the best way to kind of help shape someone's character or yeah. their behavior
2: mm-hmm.
1: is to tear them down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that that to me, it, it really is like lazy because it's a very slash and burn kind of mindset of like, well, if I tear you down and you fall apart, it's okay because you're disposable. Rather than I'm going to treat you with care and I'm going to treat you as a living, breathing human being that has thoughts and feelings and I'm going to and I'm, I'm going to treat you with as much care as i would want to be treated with myself you know well
0: well, and i think there's there's something possibly too also with us as you know in popular culture our understanding of celebrities or artists as people fully formed people who did not make a bargain to sacrifice everything for success our understanding of people, like, you know, we, we look at framing Britney Spears, we look at just the way artists have have used social media to um, develop relationships and, and be sort of fully, more fully fleshed out humans who struggle and, you know, are more relatable. At the time, how much of it is just like, oh, yeah, these people want to be famous, so they deserve whatever they get, right? Like, yeah. it's that sort of like, well, they're celebrities, so we don't really yeah. You kind of want to see that maybe the, the assumption was like you want to see them suffer because at the end they're going to get more than we'll ever have.
1: Yeah. Like the benefits outweigh the cost.
0: You hope. Yeah. You hope, right? And 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 you just assume, well, yeah, I mean, if they want to make millions of dollars,
1: and I think that nowadays we're moving more towards the mentality like it's never worth it to be to subject yourself to that type of
0: abuse. Absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like, and yeah. I think part yeah. of that is because, but I think that our yeah. thinking has
1: definitely changed in yeah. the past ten, yeah. There's nothing years. about
0: yeah. There's nothing about that that's that's acceptable, and you know, someone like Britney Spears doesn't deserve or, and didn't deserve the ridicule and the, you know, the sort of thing, you know, sort of the the reveling in her public breakdowns that, that, you know, we as a pop culture, you know, sort of just ate up in real time, right? Like as it was being presented. And so, you know, really sort of seeing people, even if they're successful or they're in the spotlight as being humans who have the same feelings as we do, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's maybe a little bit more empathy
1: when it comes to that changing view of the role that reality television plays, the types of things that reality television wants to depict for audiences, you know, when we talk about the failure of Danity Kane, the failure of this album, well, this album was, okay. This album wasn't a failure. It just, it was cut short. It's life was, it's lifespan was cut short because the band broke up. And one of the things that I was thinking about is The role that this show making the band played in the public perception of Danity Kane, how that becomes part and parcel with their identity, how it becomes inescapable for them in a particular way, whether it's the perception of reality television stars as just being in it to try and be famous or they're just tryhards or, you know, in this case, what I came away with, even as a fan of the band, is that in the process of trying to create great television in the process of trying to create conflict, create these sensational like must see moments for the show. I think that they were undercutting the image of the band itself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, you know, when they're, when they have the choreographer basically telling Andrea, like, you know, you're not sexy. You're not a good dancer. You're the worst dancer here. Do you even want to be here? Even if that's, Placed in the show as a redemption arc for her to, you know, eventually learn the choreography, eventually be good to get dancer. I think that for any of the audience, it puts it in your head like, yeah, Andrea, Andrea sucks. Why is she a part of this band? Mm -hmm. Why is she, you know, and they did they did that to all of them as part of a narrative arc on the show where it's like. Don can't, Don doesn't have the range. She can't sing this part. Her voice is cracking. She can't go that higher. Shannon is boring. Shannon, people call Shannon beige, you know, or Aubrey is too sexy or Aubrey's makeover is ugly. She thinks this looks so sexy, but she's actually trashy. Like in a show that's trying to promote the careers of these young women, the lengths that they go to, to demean them like to your point like everything that you suspected <laughs> yeah. about this type of show was true that you would have watched this show and been like why would i ever want to buy stuff from these women it seems like it's a huge mess mm-hmm. she can't sing she can't dance she's boring she's she's slutty you know yeah to me there is a problem in trying to balance out the aspect of like trying to make must see tv versus trying to make like must listen music basically and the two kind of are at odds in that sense
0: well it's 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 interesting cuz it, as you mentioned that i'm thinking about some of the reality tv that we've been consuming and i think that it's much more character driven right there's a, there's a there's a focus yeah. on the actual people and their sort of journey and how they deal with sort of these external factors versus what you're talking about with Danity e. Kane, where it's like these things are thrown at them and they're you're not you don't care about the character. You're not being put into the mindset yeah. of the character. You're you're for all intents and purposes a producer expecting them to perform and meet this sort of yeah, standard you're not that's being You're, not, you're set. not
1: witnessing their growth. Yeah. You're not feeling catharsis through their growth. As much as you're experiencing their abuse. Uh-huh. And feel yeah. and either and feeling the effects of their abuse.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Ugh, whole show
1: just continues in that arc. And once they get through into the seasons where they're working on this particular album, Welcome to the Dollhouse, featuring the song Sucker for Love, there is the aspect of it where at this point they are, you know, seasoned vets, so to speak. They've proven themselves, they've released a number one album, they've had a top 10 single. So when they move into this Welcome to the Dollhouse era, there is the sense that they deserve a little more credit. They de- mm. they deserve a little more agency in their careers. In the development stages of this album, they're being given these songs that they don't like. I think you can sense it from the first album that there is, there's a little bit of an exploration about like, what is the sound that we're trying to get from Danny Kane. And based on the singles that they release, Showstopper and Ride For You, I think that there was a bad boy P. Diddy, move to be like, this is an R&B group. Mm. This is an R&B group. They're going to get rap features. They're going to have these hip hop beats. But when we get into Welcome to the Dollhouse and the record label is still pushing these tracks on them, a lot of them are like sad relationship tracks, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sad woman relationship tracks. And the girls are like, this is not who we are. This is not what we want to be doing. They're very smart, I think, at the time saying like, they don't want to be pigeonholed by these songs and that if their aim as Diddy had said, he wanted to create a worldwide group. They were like, if you want us to be a worldwide group, we need to make music for the world. And this is not the music that the world is listening to. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think we had talked about it with like Maya and who else did we talk like Christina million, a lot of the artists that were trying to create music around 2007, Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, like Sierra was releasing singles in 2007. And there was kind of this reckoning to R&B pop music where artists that were trying to dig deeper into R&B were seeing less and less success. Yeah, And it kind of resurfaces with Rihanna and electro pop and synth pop music
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: straight from 2008 to 2010. Yeah, And that kind of normalizes like electro hip hop Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for a pop audience for a worldwide pop audience and so i think it was very telling that in 2007 when danity kane is going into the studio to record this album they're seeing that writing on the wall Mm -hmm. they've been working with different producers they've been working with you know danger they were working with the clutch they were working with brian michael cox so they they definitely have access to people who have their finger on the pulse to know like, this is where music is heading and this is what you need to do. If you want the global success that this show is purporting for Diddy to want for you, Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they take a lot of control and Diddy is just like a big baby about it. This is what I, this is what I took away from rewatching Diddy in making the band is that he has a lot of like off the cuff emotional responses Mm -hmm. he will, he will jump on something, shut it down and just walk away. Mm -hmm. He'll, he'll stop you mid sentence and be like, no, we're not doing that. Doing this out of here. And I think he is used to being able to like simmer down, come back the next day, apologize and say like, this is what I'm actually thinking. Like, I think that he's used to, he's used to being given that leeway. Mm -hmm. And, over the course of this season, it happens repeatedly, and at the end of it, it causes the band to fall apart, in my opinion, mm. because they get into an argument about the type of music they want to make. Ultimately, he comes around and he's like, oh, he, he, he initially doesn't like the song Bad Girl, but he comes around to it, and then he comes around to the group wanting to do this more up-tempo um, synth-pop music.
0: Mm-hmm. It was like he he saw the light.
1: Yeah, I think he just I think he just has this um, what's it called like the, this this initial defensive reaction like a knee jerk reaction
2: mm-hmm.
1: to anything that he feels is an affront to what he has instructed, mm-hmm. and it just takes him a second to step back, calm down, and actually digest what happened. You know, mm-hmm. so this happens you know, it happens in relationship to Aubrey O'Day because Aubrey O'Day between like the time that she's with making the band, as she's doing making the band as part of the casting process. And then when she makes the band and then as they grow their careers, Aubrey O'Day undergoes this transformation from kind of like, how do I put this? It's like, she starts out more like relatable, California beachy, sexy girl. Mm -hmm. And then she moves More into like bombshell, like Anna Nicole Smith. Mm. Kind of voluptuous, over-the-top, opulent sexiness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Diddy just hates it.
0: Like a Pamela Anderson?
1: Very Pamela Anderson. In my aesthetic viewpoint,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the look that she was going for did not work for her. It was like when you see someone that's going for all of these elements of being like a bombshell, but like the hair dye color doesn't quite go with the skin tone. Mm-hmm. And then the makeup doesn't go with the hair. Like it was all yeah. of that. Like you look yeah. at pictures of Aubrey O'Day and I think that there's always something where you're like, the elements are all fine, but it's like all together. It's like the tone of her spray tan with the tone of her bleached hair mm-hmm. is off. It's mm-hmm. like, it's all too orange. Her eye makeup is too dark. Her eyebrows are too light. There's all these things that I always look at with her, her stuff where I'm like, I don't want to be critical of her, in a reductive way. Like, I don't want to say like, she shouldn't be, she shouldn't try to be so overtly sexy. She shouldn't be trying to go be a bombshell. I'm just like, there's something about it that's not executed correctly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. 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 It yeah. just
1: doesn't coordinate for me, like visually aesthetically where I'm like piece, individual pieces could work, but you know, anyway, um, all these things, you know, blow up with P Diddy over the course of this, this kind of, penultimate season that Danity Kane shows up in, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens with Danity Kane, and I was kind of blindsided by this, is that Diddy calls the girls in for a meeting. They go in for a meeting and they all sit down and Diddy turns to Andrea and says, I got an email from you a couple months ago saying that you were thinking of leaving the group. Okay. Like what's happening? Talk to me about what's happening. And in kind of true ditty fashion, I don't think he lets the girls actually talk that much. Mm. <laughs> He's asking them continually to like explain to him what the problem is. They'll start talking and then he'll talk over them and be like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because very quickly, like it, it, it becomes apparent that like there's personal problems between the girls, the girls after being together for like two years continuously, don't get along that well as people Mm -hmm. mostly andrea and aubrey it seems like which is interesting because so much of the show making the band andre andrea and aubrey were two of the original cast members of making the band they were the ones that made it through from season one to season two and so much of the show had centered around their friendship how dependent they were on each other, how grateful they were to still have each other throughout the whole competition. But it seemed like once the group had kind of gelled and been formed, like their friendship dissolved in the face of how different they are personality-wise. So Diddy, Diddy lays this on Andrea, right? Like, I'm calling this meeting because you said that you were thinking about leaving the group. Why do you want to leave the group? Very quickly, without anyone else really saying anything, Diddy turns it around on Aubrey, and is like, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. I don't want someone like you acting on behalf of my, my record label. Like, I don't want, I don't want to work with you. You're fired. Mm-hmm. It's just shock in the room. Like the girls are like, what the fuck is happening? So then other people try to chime in and be like, wait a second, but we were he's like, blah, blah, I don't, he's like, if any, if anyone else wants to quit, you you can walk out too. And he turns to D Woods. And it, it seems like he obviously has had some problems with these girls. So he turns to D Woods and is like, Do you have anything to say? Like, I'm seeing a lot of Aubrey's influence in you. And if you don't want it, you know, if you don't want to turn it around, like you can leave too. And basically he fires D Woods that on the spot too. And so the, the girls all hug and they're like crying. And it's like, okay, bye. <laughs> but and keep in mind, like, this is in the middle of album promotion for Welcome to the Dollhouse. Huh. And this is also stuff that had been alluded to on, like, MySpace. Mm -hmm. So that's where the timeline gets confused for me, because I remember on MySpace, Don had made a statement saying that Aubrey and D Woods were no longer in the band, and then Aubrey and D Woods were on their MySpace refuting this claim. And then it comes out on the show a few months later that this is what happened. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So they get get fired from the band. Um, Dramatic... Season finale. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Oh, it sounds so cruel.
1: (laughs) What really stood out to me in that moment of rewatching it again last night is that the whole pretense for calling this meeting was that Andrea was thinking of leaving the group, right? And that Diddy was just there to say, like, talk to me about why this is happening to you and what we can do to fix it. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, he turns it around into this is Aubrey and D Wood's fault. You guys are fired. So in essence, like what I felt like was happening is that he himself had a problem with Aubrey and D Woods, and even if Andrea had a personal problem with Aubrey and D Woods, she wasn't saying it in that moment. Mm-hmm. She wasn't gonna say it, mm-hmm. and so Diddy just wanted to create this situation to lay that on Andrea. Mm-hmm. He wanted Andrea to say she was having personal problems with Aubrey and D Woods, so that he could turn around and be like, okay, that's what's happening. All right, they're fired. It didn't happen that way. So he had to construct this moment of being like, okay, like, I don't wanna work with you guys anymore. You guys are fired. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, re-. he, in the moment was saying like, we're just gonna find new girls. Years later, when the girls reunite, they all talk about that moment and what they say is that they knew that something was brewing, right, for the production of the show. They they had an idea of why they were called to Diddy's office for this meeting, and they said that when they were in the van together as a group, they were they were they they all had a powwow, and they were like, "Whatever happens, we're going in with a unified front. We may not get along personally, but we all love Danity Kane. We all love our music career. We all love this as our profession." Mm-hmm. So we're going to love this endeavor as co-workers. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what we've talked about with like SWV, Mm -hmm. with Pussycat Dolls, I think. You know, they they recognize like, for this to be a successful thing, we don't need to actually like each other. We just need to love what we are doing together.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that that was the decision that they had all made together leading up to that moment. So when Diddy didn't even let them talk... Yeah didn't even let them address the supposed purpose of this meeting, which was to address the conflicts between them, mm-hmm. and just turned it on its head and, and you know, basically turned it into the bloodbath that made great television. They were all kind of, kind of blindsided by this, mm-hmm. right? This all happens in the middle of promotion for Welcome to the Dollhouse. After this Welcome to the Dollhouse, that whole album is dead in the water. The three remaining members of Danity Kane... Don, Andrea, and Shannon, they have like these contractual appearances they need to continue making,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? To promote Danity Kane, um, mostly like hosting gigs. So they're showing up at clubs just to like Play
0: the stand on the stage
1: something. and yeah. hype up the audience, you know, but they've also signed up for an additional season of making the band. <laughs> so we're, at this point we're in making the band for season four. So we're, in the Day 26 era, which is the boy band mm-hmm. that Diddy has has formed. But at this point, they're doing this whole making the band kind of universe show. So all of them are involved. So Danity Kane is around. Day 26 is around. Donnie Klang is around. All these people. And they're just interacting in a very real world type of um, environment. When they come back to do season four, Dawn and Andrea are the only people that show up. And mm-hmm. Shannon, who to that point has not been fired, does not show up but what's funny is that diddy is seemingly shocked that aubrey and d woods did not show up for production despite having been fired at the end of season three Hmm. and he puts this again in true diddy fashion he puts this all on don and andrea like what are you guys doing to get these girls back what is your problem why can't you get them to come back and and don and andrea go back to their apartment and literally just they're like despondent laying in bed going like what just happened what do we do why is it our responsibility to get these girls to come back why would they have come back after what happened to us
2: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and they try anyway because they're both in this position where they're, they're being held to contract with bad boy, bad boy entertainment, but they don't actually have a group mm-hmm. to record new music with mm-hmm. or to tour with or to do anything with. And so in that period of time, it, they were saying like, well, what do we do? Like, do we do all of this on our own money? Like, what do we, how do we do this between yeah. the two of us? And the, sh- the season devolves because the majority of that season focuses on day 26 and they're trying to release their second album. But Danity e. Kane, you know, they, they try to get Shannon to come back because Shannon was not fired. Shannon will not come back to appear on the show. The rest of the season, they have nothing they can do. There's a whole 10 minute scene about the girls of Danity e. Kane deciding that the apartment they live in is a dump and cleaning their apartment. I was like, oh shit, like this is this is super sad. Yeah. (laughs) They clearly don't know what to do with Danity Kane. They don't have anything that they can do with Danity Kane since it's just Dawn and Andrea. So at the very beginning of the season, they have this meeting with Diddy where he's telling them, like, if we can't get anyone to come back, I don't know what I'm going to do with you guys. You'll have to let me think about this. Which is so stupid if you think about it. Mm -hmm. For him to say, like, if we can't get anyone to come back, I'm like, this is all your fault. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So he basically keeps them hanging on for the whole season.
2: Mm.
1: They're just hanging around their apartment. They're going out to drink wine. They are cleaning the apartment. There's a whole like air freshener sequence that they do running around their apartment with air freshener. It's so sad. Towards the end of the season, he calls them back to his office and he basically says, Andrea, I don't want to work with you anymore. I'm releasing you from your contract. He's like, I don't believe in you. I don't believe I can work with you. And to me, Andrea has the single best voice, the single best singing voice in Danny Cain. Mm-hmm. And what he says is that, he, again, he puts this all on her. True, This is true gaslighting, true gaslighting. He's like, this all started because you said that you didn't know if you wanted to be part of this group anymore. How can I work with you? When I'm going to always be wondering if you want to be part of this group. Mm -hmm. And she says, in response to him, she's like, when I said that, I was having interpersonal problems with people that are no longer in the group. Mm -hmm. Like... There, she's like, there has never been a question in my mind that I want to be a part of a group and I want to be singing and that I have the drive to pursue this professionally. But she's like, but when I when I see other people that don't seem to be taking this as seriously as me or are not as dedicated to the to this as I am, you know, because a little backstory that at the time when the group was having all these problems, um, D Woods and Aubrey were occasionally missing appearances. Mm-hmm. Aubrey had taken a job to do hairspray on Broadway for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then D Woods was doing other side projects as well. So there was, there was actually documented on the show, they were doing certain concerts where it's all of a sudden like shit, like Aubrey's not here. <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And
1: it was like, how could that be possible that you get to the day of the show and you realize that she's like on Broadway performing yeah, a hairspray? Yeah. Um, you know, but that was that was that one was of the where, things that supposedly that
2: was, why Andrea was like Yeah, she just kept. felt
1: like I'm, I'm here putting 100% into this group, trying to make this group a worldwide success, and it seems like these other people are looking for their escape hatch in case mm-hmm. this doesn't all work out, right? But nonetheless, Diddy puts it on her like, well, you know, mm-hmm. once 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. I heard a rumor that you wanted to leave the group. Therefore, I don't believe in you anymore. Therefore, I don't trust you anymore. And I don't think I can work with you anymore. I'm releasing you from your contract. He turns to Don and he says, Don, I, I, I love your vibe. I love your work ethic. I love the music that you make. I want to keep working with you. I want to keep you signed on in whatever capacity. He's basically like, he, he's like, I want to keep working with you. And if we ever find four new members for Danity Kane, you'll be in Danity Kane again. <laughs> Don Richard got a lot of flack for for what happened because a lot of people felt like Don was kind of the shady business that Don was actually the one that was always angling towards a solo career,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that somehow she manipulated the whole situation to get Aubrey out and to get D Woods out, and then to eventually get the whole basically the whole band fired except for her. Mm-hmm But in the show, like watching it again now, Dawn is like devastated. She's, she actually seems to wish that she had been released from her contract. Basically, what she says is like, what am I supposed to do now? She's like, all, she's like, the rest of them can do whatever they want now. Mm -hmm. They can pursue other opportunities. She's like, I'm under contract. How am I supposed to live here? What am I supposed to be working on while I'm here? Am I, am am I paying for, am I going to pay for all this by myself? Like what, what can I do if I'm a member of Danity Kane, but Danity Kane doesn't exist anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So in retrospect, watching that, I was like very, very sorry for her. And I think in retrospect, she got, she got a raw deal, Mm -hmm. especially in the public perception of what happened. Mm -hmm. This is all by way of asking the question of like, did Diddy ever really care about this group? Mm -hmm. Does Diddy really care about anything other than himself? (laughs) In looking back on the show, it doesn't seem like he was looking for a way to make this work. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was looking for a way to make a great television show. And once the television show was no longer going to be providing a paycheck for him, to just jettison everything associated with it as quickly as possible,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is very much like what he did to deband from mm-hmm. the, from making the band too. He jettisoned them as soon as their show was over. He did this with Danity Kane. He did it again with Day Twenty Six. Like all of them, it's almost like once the training wheels were off, it's like instead of letting them learn to ride their bicycles, he just took their bicycles away.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Well like to your point I mean about being a mogul it's it's more of a mogul making sort of operation for him you know you don't really focus on what's coming out and that was never the point it was just to be like show diddy as someone who comes in cr- puts these people together abuses them and then drops them which is the full arc right like I mean that, that like for for someone like diddy like it served his purpose yeah. right like that's
1: yeah, I mean and yeah. it's strange to me that it's strange to me that he would want to come off that way. Yeah. Because I think that in his mind, and maybe it's just part and parcel with reality television at the time, because I feel like Tyra Banks comes off looking the same way. Simon, I mean, Mm -hmm. Simon Cowell, right? That's kind of the archetype for that cruel to be kind kind of behavior. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Really worked out for Simon Cowell. But at the same time, I think that Simon Cowell was someone that you love to hate. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that someone like Tyra Banks or someone like P. Diddy wanted to be loved to be hated. I think that they truly thought that their total assholery was like boss behavior.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they thought it was coming off like this is, you know, people are going to respect what
2: I'm yeah. doing.
1: I think you kind of missed the joke a little bit. Because I feel like yeah. in, a, in a certain way, Simon Cowell's cruelty, and not to excuse his cruelty, but I feel like at least he he was a little bit in on the joke. Yeah. He knew knew America hated him. Yeah. Like how ridiculous and over the top his cruelty was, was kind of like a a parody of cruelty itself versus like, I I really got the feeling like Diddy was just acting in an overly emotional way. Yeah. It's,
0: it's so, you know, to kind of tie it in with like, um, uh, you know, professional wrestling. It's like, he was like, Simon Cowell was the heel right like there's the heel there's like the the antagonist mm-hmm. who you know it's it's really more performative than it is anything else um because like there were times when when Simon would you know like you, you respected his opinion in a lot of ways like it was blunt like it wasn't That's true yeah right like you 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 understood what he was saying um it was cruel because of the platform um, and maybe the sort of dismissiveness of it, but he would also go out of his way, I think, to to really talk about people like who mm-hmm. who he was moved by and and support those people too. And it's it's really understanding the role that you're playing, um, which is not something that I think, to your point, Diddy and, and Tyra, they just look crazy. Yeah, not, and not to say crazy, but you know, they just look like power mad. Uh, just in, you know, not great.
1: Yeah. Oh, I wrote, I wrote down in my notes when I was watching, I was just watching all the clips. It's at the end of making the band for season four, they cut to this, uh, interview shot of Diddy and Diddy thanks his viewers for being patient through quote, all of the BS his groups has been giving him
0: what was the what was the what was the critical and audience reaction to these things like in real time did people did they think it was like poor management like did did he come off as powerful or was it received as that or was it received in the way that he wanted it to be okay my
1: my fan my danity kane fan recollection of this is that people hated Diddy for this decision that he made specifically as it pertained to Danity e. Kane. I don't think that I feel like he just leapfrogs around between different projects mm-hmm. so that, you know, you weren't, you weren't a fan of the band and mm-hmm. also a fan of Danity e. Kane. You maybe hadn't been following all of the people that he had been holding on to at bad boy and basically never releasing music from like, there's a yeah. laundry list of people that have yeah. been signed to bad boy get big hype announcements and then you never hear music from them Mm -hmm. and they just get trapped inside a bad boy somewhere. Um, And so I don't know if there was necessarily that level of correlation between like, this is just what Diddy does and Diddy's an asshole because I think that, you know, Diddy uh, for all appearances was a hugely successful mogul. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, but he was holding on to like, you know, the biggie, the biggie connection for way too long. Yeah. We're, We're talking like, 2006 to 2008. And he's still hearkening back to the successes that he had with Notorious B.I.G. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Danny yeah. McCain was going to be that next big thing that, to have a group on your label that released two consecutive number one albums. Like why not keep that going? But my other main recollection from that era was that Dawn really got a lot of hate for mm-hmm. what happened. That for whatever reason, all of the internet chatter at the time. Cause keep in mind that like social media was very much in its infancy. Like they were mm-hmm. posting this stuff to their MySpace pages. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, and this was also when music was leaking a lot, a lot of music was leaking. Right. So there were solo demos of Dawn of that were leaking. Yeah. She was featured on like a Lil Wayne track. That was, a, that was a demo that, mm-hmm. you know, never got released, but that, I think that that caused this panic Of like, is Dawn the one trying to go solo? Is
0: or or was it was it a narrative? Was someone doing this on purpose?
1: Yeah, because it's unclear, like because at the same time, Dawn, I think Dawn said that she had a songwriting deal with Bad
0: Boy. Mm -hmm. She was writing songs for like Cassie. Yeah. Remember Cassie? Jesus?
2: Yeah, I do.
1: But you know, so Speaking
0: of someone who's been trapped. (laughs) I mean, not funny, but you know.
1: I mean, trapped in golden handcuffs. I mean well, but there's try to the get a, try abuse. to get a, try to get a better record deal for someone uh, for a vocalist like
0: Cassie. But there are those allegations of abuse, though. That's yeah, true.
1: I mean, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, we characterize a lot of people as thin voice singers on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that it's fair to group any of our thin voice singers to date with a thin voice singer like Cassie. <laughs>
0: people really loved her when that
1: song came. I lo- I loved her music, but. It. She's not she she's not a she's not a thin-voiced singer. She is a thin voiced
0: talker. Talker. Yeah. She's just thin
1: <laughs> voiced. She's a she's a thin-voiced atonal talker.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Gowns. Beautiful gowns.
1: No, yeah, but like that whole Ryan, the whole Ryan Leslie production of that whole Cassie album was so good. And mm-hmm. I mean it really supplemented her vibe of not singing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Don goes on to join Dirty Money with Diddy, Mm -hmm. which was Diddy's kind of electro, electro hip hop project that he did. Mm -hmm. He did that Hello Good Morning song. Nope, nope, no go for you. Okay, I don't know any of it. (laughs) Oh no, you probably do know some of the songs. I think that didn't. uh... No, I think it was just Hello Good Morning. It was a failed pro. It was a failed side project for Diddy. I think D Woods. Tried to do some side projects. Aubrey O'Day possibly becomes the most recognizable member of Danity Kane. She does like the Celebrity Apprentice. She notoriously dates Donald Trump Jr. Um, she notoriously supposedly does illegal narcotics with Donald Trump Jr. And um, has recently made claims that Donald Trump Jr. She has witnessed have has some kind of um, drug problem, reportedly, allegedly, according to her firsthand witness accounts,
0: an alleged um, cocaine addiction.
1: Alleged, although Aubrey very. But she's the to reason.
0: She she's the reason that they broke. Donald Trump Jr. And his wife got a divorce. I think so, right? Because of the texts and Instagram, those yeah.
2: things.
1: Yeah, and I mean, yeah. Uh, But so, uh, (laughs) um, oh, so in 2014, though, the girls get back together. I remember this being big TMZ news that they were spotted in Hollywood getting brunch, they were papped, snapped by the paps. Um, they were, you know, it was the first time everyone except for D Woods, it was Shannon, Aubrey, Andrea, and Dawn Mm -hmm. got together. And reportedly, they were—you know—they just decided to reconnect. Um, this is when that story surfaces, where they're all talking about how blindsided they were by how they got kind of uh, unceremoniously dissolved from the bad boy roster mm-hmm. because they had had these—they com- were—they had been having these conversations about how to move forward as a group of women that hates each other but loves working yeah. on a project together, right? But they get back together in 2014 they decide they're going to do a Danity Kane reunion. They're not going to work with Diddy. I don't know if there was some kind of legal wrangling that had to be done because a little background though. The name Danity Kane. You might be saying to yourself, what the fuck is Danity Kane? Um Don Richard, big fan of anime, big fan of manga, big fan of comic books. She was developing her own like comic book characters and dreaming up her own manga and anime stuff. And she invented this female superhero named Danity Kane. And so, reportedly, one day in the studio, she has this sketchbook, she has these drawings. Diddy asks her about, like, oh, like, who's this character? And she's like, that's Danity Kane. And Diddy reportedly loved that so much. He's like, that's the name of the band.
2: Hmm.
1: So, Danity Kane came straight from Don Richard's mind. So I always Mm -hmm. wonder like how hard was it for them to get control of that identity outside of bad boy entertainment and outside of Diddy, if they had to do any negotiations on that. Um, But what they do is they reunite in 2014. It's announced that they're going to start making music together again. They go on a promotional tour. They start working with the stereotypes. Okay. The stereotypes are someone that they had worked with previously on, on particular tracks for welcome to the dollhouse stereotypes I think they worked with like um far east movement and stuff okay. like that so it's, it's kind of like that same kind of synth pop sound
2: mm-hmm.
1: they recorded this whole album they go on tour at the end of the tour Andrea announces that she will no longer be participating she decides that she wants to focus on her family she wants to step away from music you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: no harm no foul but they have to remove all of her vocals from the album they just recorded <laughs> that, that, that's a long way to go though to think like you guys recorded an album, and then Andrea decides she wants to pursue her, you know,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: pursue her family or whatever. Yeah, and that she has to be removed from the album, so they basically have to re-record some of the vocals for this upcoming forthcoming album. Um, reportedly, in the studio, Aubrey and Do- uh, Aubrey and Don get into a fight, resulting in um, Don hitting Aubrey and being fired from the group. And this is something that I, I, I don't know the exact physicality of what happened between them, but I think it's it's acknowledged and reported and confirmed by all parties involved that there was it got physical in the studio. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it resulted in Don having to leave the group.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they decide to finish the album anyway and release it. Okay. And so it's funny, like, You know, we've been talking about the impact of like how your reality television persona affects the public's perception of your music. And even outside of the realm of their reality television show, a lot of those aspects carried over into the release of this Reunion album, which was ultimately called DK3. It has a great song called Rhythm of Love, Mm -hmm. the first song on the album. But for me personally, unfortunately, this entire album was tainted by that that breaking story that like they were essentially breaking up again before this could, this reunion was reunited. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It appears that they have broken up again before the reunion was even mm-hmm. completed. Um, and they all again, go their separate ways. Dawn um, continues to record music independently. She had had a, a pretty notable, I think kind of indie indie yeah. electronic career mm-hmm. she was bubbling under. Yeah, she was she's releasing some very critically acclaimed, very critically acclaimed but maybe not widely heard albums.
0: Yeah. Very like avant-garde.
1: Yes. She's she's cited like Bjork and Imogen Heap as like s- some of her main musical influences. And she recently um she recently signed to Merge Records, which is like an indie rock record label. Mm. And she was interviewed about that talking about how she thought it was just going to be a great fit for her because what she was experiencing as a black woman was basically not being recognized for being an electro artist, like an electro indie artist Mm -hmm. that she was making the point of like, why is it that as a black woman, I have to be like alternative R and B like why, like, why is it strange that my influences are people like Bjork, mm-hmm. you know? And she was basically saying like, I'm here to prove that like black women have always been present in electronic music. Like mm-hmm. we are here. This is the music that we're making. It's not something else, you know, Aubrey and Shannon after the disillusion of Danny Kane for the second time, they team up to form a, a, a duo called Dumb Blonde. I didn't ask I forgot to ask you to listen to
0: some of Dumb Blondes music. I I remember when they came out with stuff I was not interested. Oh,
1: oh my god. Really? What? No.
0: I mean, no. look, I again, until you mentioned that we were going <laughs> to listen to this, I all I knew was all the shit in the tabloid and like how things were reported. I was like, why do I care? I don't care about yeah. any of these people, right? So like, I I'm going back now and I'm listening um I remember when they made the announcement that they were going to move forward. It just seemed like, you know, 15 years of drama or whatever is like too much for me to care about. You know, like with this group. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. care. They get together. They break up. They don't like each other. They do like each other. They have a reunion. They don't. Now these two girls come out with stuff. I have listened to Don Richard like more um, in the last several years. um, mm-hmm. Her solo projects. Um, An acquaintance of mine that I know someone else like had had worked on her video one of her videos um okay. like directed it and um you know it's just i i mean so i was i was i remember that being my first introduction to her as being sort of the sort of indie or electro pop sort of mm-hmm. artist um so i hadn't really listened to dumb blonde or anything like that okay
1: dawn richard i will say like a lot of her a lot of her initial releases were maybe a little too cerebral for me, a little too cerebral or a little too ambient for my tastes. Uh Uh-huh. Some of her more recent releases have really gotten me though. Um, In 2020, she released a song called You. Mm. Similar to some of the recent songs that I've talked about, I feel like that there's like some strong house elements, some strong house references in the song. Mm -hmm. Kind of to your point, about a lot of the house inspired songs that I've talked about that you hated in recent episodes mm-hmm. this particular song by Don Richard has a lot of the layering that I think you like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think it has the vocals in a spot that I think that you appreciate more mm-hmm. where it's more in the middle of the track mm-hmm. like what I, I was think realizing I think I know what we're talking about I know, I know what, what talking I was about. realizing more and more when we talk about different songs and when you think songs sound really bad mm-hmm. it's like up um, for Love is like this too. It's like you have the bass, you have the bass line and you have the mm-hmm. drum track and then you have kind of like the top line instrumental mm-hmm. and the vocals are very much sandwiched in the middle and feel like they kind of weave in and out and float between all those things mm-hmm. versus like a lot of the songs that I, I've i been liking that you absolutely cannot abide by. The vocals are just literally on top of it. Yeah. It's like yeah. there's a ho- it's like it's like all the instrumentation like a layer a layer of saran wrap and then the vocals on top of that <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah generally speaking
1: yeah so but don i mean don for all of her for all of her cerebral music that i just cannot grasp she always has like a very artful way of mixing her vocals together mm. but what i will say dumb blonde i i i forgot to ask you to listen to dumb blonde shannon and aubrey they moved on to this project called dumb blonde and they released an album in 2015 called *Dumb Blonde*. That was kind of a throwaway electro-pop album. It had some, it had some standout songs. The one that I like is *Dreamsicle*. But by and large, the output was very like standard electro-pop fare. It not, it it didn't have a lot of hooks to it to really keep me going. But in 2019 they released an album called Bianca and reportedly this is Aubrey Aubrey was coming out of a bad breakup she got back together with Shannon they talked a lot about like doing a concept album around a breakup and everything that Aubrey was feeling and they were they were doing a lot of research about the breakup between um Bianca and Mick Jagger okay is that her name what was her last yeah. name was her last name Bianca, Bianca Jagger Jack- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what was her last name? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, And so Aubrey and Shannon got together and they decided to do this concept album called Bianca. And it's this great disco dance album that I really, really like. I, I, I love the whole thing from start to finish.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: is eight tracks. It's only 26 minutes. It's just end to end, great music. What's weird is that they named the tracks single words so that the whole album track listing just makes a sentence. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So it's really hard, but those aren't actually the names of the songs. Like there's a song on here called I, but it's called, it's actually called something else. White hot lies, but on the track listing, it's called on the track listing. It's called I, but the main hook is white hot lies. And they refer to this song as White Hot Lies, but she's like, oh, it doesn't matter because it's a concept album. So we just named the, on the track listing, we just named it whatever we wanted to.
0: <laughs> I'm listening. It's good. I mean, it's 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 fun.
1: The whole album straight through. G- solid gold. So the happy ending, I think, though, to Danity e. Kane is that in 2019, Danity e. Kane actually got back together to tour. Okay. But it was just Shannon, Aubrey and Dawn. And um, they got back together to tour. And what they decided to do was to do this kind of hybrid tour of, they would perform a set as Danity Kane. They would perform a set as dumb blonde. And then they would perform a set just as Don Richard. So you'd get like kind of like the best of everything that you wanted from each of them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and very similar to I think what you had covered with SWV, mm-hmm. like I think it's very clear that they don't actually like each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, well, wait. So do, do Aubrey and Shannon not like each other? Aubrey and Shannon. Okay, I mean they just don't Aubrey, like Dawn.
1: Yeah. If you if you watch like the very final making the band appearance of Danity e. Kane, like they bring them all back for a reunion, it's very clear that. No one likes Don. Mm -hmm. So in the making the band like series finale, they try to get everyone from Danity Kane back for the reunion and Sway is hosting this reunion. Mm -hmm. They get everyone to come back except for Andrea. Mm -hmm. So it's Aubrey, Dee Woods, Don and Shannon. Despite the fact that they clearly knew that Andrea was not present. They set up five chairs on the stage. Mm -hmm. They set up three in front and two in back and they decide to seat three of them in the first row and one of them in the second row next to an empty chair. <laughs>
2: hmm.
1: And when they
0: first come out and th- this is just all I'm replaying. This just my makes head. me hate everything because it's so artificial. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it one of those things where I'm just like all these people just fucking with other people's lives. Well, what they do is they all
1: come out and the original seating arrangement is Aubrey in the first chair Dawn in the second chair, D Woods on the third chair, and then Shannon beige by herself in the back, next to an empty chair that was supposed to be Andrea, but uh-huh. clearly Andrea is not there. So, as per usual, Shannon cannot get a word in edgewise. They try to address like why Danity Kane broke up, what happened, etc., etc. They cut; to, they have to cut to commercial when they come back. D Woods and Dawn have switched places, so that Dawn is no longer in between on aubrey and d woods she's mm-hmm. on the end of the sofa now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and aubrey and d woods fully are like turned away from her and like almost don't acknowledge her at all for the rest of the show um what was my point everyone uh-huh. hates Dawn. Wow. Ah. so yeah but so that's the thing is that like in 2019 they made this reunion plan in interviews they talk a lot about you know, the dynamic of Danity Kane and the fact that they're getting back together, they're still touring together as a threesome. Mm-hmm. And I think what you have there is you have a very like media trained level of respect. Okay. It is that it is that thing that I think that they were trying to agree upon when they were doing Welcome to the Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. It's that thing of like, we don't have to like each other, but we have to love Danity Kane.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And we're going to do this because we love Danity Kane. And we'll do we'll deal with whatever else. Mm-hmm. If we don't like each other, we don't have to see each other on a personal level. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come into the office, do your job, go home. What's interesting now though is that as of 2020, Shannon Bex mm-hmm. is running a um she's running like a startup company that's producing a children's reading app and has stepped away from her musical career. Maybe it's better for all of them. But this means that Danity Kane, which has released new music in 2020, is now comprised of Aubrey O'Day and Don Richard, the two most infamous members of um, Danity Kane. And they released three singles. They released three singles in 2020 mm-hmm. Fly, Boy Down, and New Kings, all without Shannon, who has moved on to her career in iPad Appery. Is that the thing? I think I just made that word up.
0: Barry. This has taken me on a journey where I no longer care about them. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, okay, ladies, do something else. Just go do something else. I can't, I can't, I can't devote any more of my life to like understanding what's happening in your life. And I don't know what to tell you.
1: I love Danity Kane. I know that I know that there's nothing that I can do to sell you on Danity Kane
0: as an entity. It's not um, it's not that. It's not that. I, I I get them and I respect their music. I will say that. Yeah. Like after having listened to that second. But I don't album, think you'll ever have that connection that I do. I don't think I will have that connection. <laughs> not because You had to be there, Jason. I don't think I did. I feel like I was there, but like
1: look, as he's I as still I, can't name a Betty Who song.
0: That's fine. But <laughs> Like Betty who doesn't depress me the way these girls do (laughs) in just like their, It's almost like the rancor has point. Like, I mean, I feel bad. Andrea is no longer part. She doesn't do anything. Nothing's nothing on her Wikipedia since 2015. And I mean, you talk about someone who's was super talented. It's kind of like the, for me, the Whitney Houston of it all. I love Whitney Houston. You know, this, we love, you know, one of the most formative artists in my in my in my life. It's been hard because of the way she died and understanding sort of what happened. It's it's harder for me to go back and listen to some of those songs. Mm-hmm. And truly I don't really listen to her all that much anymore. It it sort of took some of the fun out of out of what was happening. And I, I feel like that's yeah. kind of the way I feel about Danny Kane. It's not that I mm. don't have a connection to them. I'm just like like they just like your yeah. your point about the so much interpersonal strife and, and yeah. just like with SWV, it's like, it's hard to get into it when I know they don't like each other. And then truly it's, is it the art or is it the fame at this yeah. point? Like, I don't I know. mean, I think that that, I think that's definitely how I feel about DK3,
2: mm.
1: that last album, because mm. that is when there were these confirmed reports that there was like a physical fight. Yeah. Um. I think the reason that I still have a good emotional relationship to Welcome to the Dollhouse is, and again, I think it's a, it's a you had to be there kind of moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And experiencing that season of making the band, seeing these women fight for their agency, fight for the types of music that they wanted to be making, fight for their vision for where they saw music going. hmm I think that that's what sticks with me about this album, despite what happens shortly thereafter. Mm. Like, that's the taste yeah, I'm left with with this specific album. But yeah, in general, like, when I hear Andrea's voice, and I think about the fact that, like, wow, she got totally, like, chewed up and spit out by the music music industry. Yeah, it's sad. Like, an exceptionally talented, exceptionally talented singer just told, you can't dance, you're not sexy enough, you know. Had them undermining her singing talents when clearly she was the best singer, mm-hmm. um, all for the sake of a television program. It sucks. It's it's yeah.
0: I I think the, the 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 feeling that I have is somewhat. It makes it hard to defend why I care so much about pop culture. You know what I mean? Like when, when I think it's
1: like a new. It's like a very modern, uh, yeah. a very modern day kind of woke culture kind of feeling where I'm like, God, like all the things that I loved, all the trash garbage that I loved in the aughts.
0: Are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: mean And I'm
1: only now realizing it, you know?
0: That's funny. That's funny. But again, I think the thing that we do here is the thing that we do here is reframing sort of the conversation, like why we think these things, right? Yeah. And, And 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 putting historical context into things. Pop culture is the context of history. Like, like the historical things that we see. And so you see yeah. it play out in our everyday lives in pop culture and the way that we, the different f- way we look at a Danity e. Kane and that show making the band is informed by the way we, like the, the cultural things that are happening and how we view power and we view agency and we view, you know, sort of representation, all of those things. They were also true then, but we looked at it with a different lens. And so I think it is it is interesting to examine and, and kind of question our relationship to that
1: yeah it's like our you know our evolving view on pop culture yeah that in and of itself is something that i've realized in the process of recording this podcast is my changing relationship to pop culture in that exact way
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway danity kane love them or hate them, they were damaged damaged beyond repair (laughs) you know what's funny is that in the in that in that welcome to the dollhouse era they released like a final promo single. Mm-hmm. The name of the song that they released is their final promo single.
2: Mm-hmm. Is,
1: is anybody listening?
0: Oh, and I actually, you know, that song?
1: It's like a it. good song. Yeah, I like it. It it like caps off that kind of chill side of the album.
0: I didn't think. Okay, so I, did, I wasn't even going to bring up that I like that song because in, you know, true to our form, I, I was just assuming that you wouldn't have liked that song.
1: Oh, no, I do. I do like this song. Okay. It goes somewhere. It has, a, it, has, it has hills and valleys. It has hidden valleys. <laughs>
0: like the ranch. Mm hmm. All right. Um, anyway,
1: I think we should all be re examining the emotional trauma suffered by all who have participated in reality competition television singing series. And um, yeah, take us away, Jason.
0: Well, we would like to give our special thanks as always to adam elder for composing our theme music songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website flopredeemer.com please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice check us out on social at flopredeemer on instagram and twitter and at facebook.com and as always email us your suggestions your love your hate your whatever email if us you know Flop
1: andrea Tell her to email us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I won't get her uh, I won't get her a record deal, but I'll gladly accept her emails.
0: Yeah. Let us know what you're up to uh, at flopredeemer at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Your Wikipedia ends in 2015. We're curious.